Hey y'all, and welcome to Southern Fried Pop Culture. I am Mandy Kay. And I'm Kelly Lee. Each week, we're going to talk about our experiences of Southern culture through the lens of stories that are set in the South, feature Southern characters, or are Southern-flavored in some way. And on this show, our structure comes from our amazing theme song, written by our friend Jazzy Bentley. So we'll talk about the movie in three different sections, Southern culture in general, the bless your heart or problematic moments, and the things that we love that tickle us pink. This week, we're talking about the 2007 indie movie Waitress, starring Carrie Russell, Nathan Fillion, and Jeremy Sisto, along with Andy Griffith. It was written and directed by Adrian Shelley, who also played Dawn. Tragically, Adrian Shelley was murdered shortly after filming was complete. Adrian Shelley's daughter, Sophie, plays toddler Lulu at the end of the movie, and Waitress was adapted into a musical in 2015, with Sarah Bareilles writing the musical score. The tagline for Waitress is, the year's most delicious romantic comedy. But y'all, this is not a romance, even though it has some romance scenes, and it sure as hell is not a comedy. It's sassy and fierce and sad and disturbing, but it's more of a personal growth story than a comedy. Not sure I think it's that either. Oh, okay. I was <laughs> I was grasping for genre. What do you think it is? Oh, well, I mean, I think it's trying really hard to be a romantic comedy. Yeah. It's trying real hard, um, <laughs> but it's not. I don't think it's a romantic comedy at all. Okay, so... All right, how about this? A romance ends with a couple together, right? Yes. In theory. Okay, that's not yes, what we get Yes, by, no, by definition, a romance has to have a happily ever after. So it is definitely not a romance. Not a romance. But it ends with the love story of a mom and her daughter. So can we just classify this as Southern Mama Drama? Well, absolutely. Okay. That works for me. <laughs> I mean, there's a lots of mama bear fierceness and Southern Mama Drama in this movie, so... So when a genre doesn't fit, we just make one up. I support that very much. Uh, Now, you mentioned that this movie was adapted into a musical, which I got to see this past spring. And it was wonderful. Yeah, I'm so jealous. (laughs) I'm glad you got to go see it, but I'm so jealous. Tell me (laughs) all about it. Oh, it's different than the movie. Um, It's funny because I have seen this movie before. I saw it years ago, probably five or six years ago. I think it showed up on Netflix finally, and I got to watch it that way. Um, And I liked the movie at at that point. I thought it was weird, but I liked it. Mm -hmm. And so I just remember kind of having a positive experience with it. And so when it showed up as part of the Broadway season here at DPAC in town, I was really excited to see it. I was like, how do you adapt a non-musical movie into a musical? Mm-hmm. And I really was curious. And so my mom and I went and God, the music was so good. And most of it ended up taking place in the diner in the musical rather than having it go back and forth between home and the doctor's office and the diner and the bus stop and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it was primarily the diner. And so you got more from Dawn and uh Becky? Yeah, Becky. Becky, is that her name? Yep. So so Becky had a bigger part. Um, Dawn's part was a little bit bigger as well because it, it was more focused around the three women instead of just Jenna. Hmm. And I think that's part of why I liked it. Um, Joe's character was much more understated. 
which, I mean, nobody can live up to Andy Griffith, so I kind of get that. <laughs> and the rest of it, like the doctor and even Earl, like the doctor and Earl were kind of on even ground as far as how much like stage time they got and how those scenes were shot. There were, it was a lot of kind of, I don't want to say flashback because it's not flashback, but like montage Okay. As montage as you can get in a stage musical. Interesting. And so the, the musical kept the focus just so much on Jenna and how she was dealing with things. And, and we got more internal monologues from her mm-hmm. with how she's going to make the pies and, and what they're going to be and that sort of thing. And I think that's why I liked it more than the movie. I didn't really remember the movie when I saw it. And so coming out of the musical, I just remember thinking, wow, this was, this was really good. And it was funny and it was uplifting and I loved it. And then I watched this movie last night, and I was like, I don't know why I like this movie, because I don't like it anymore. I think the internal pie monologue is my favorite part, so now I really want to see the musical. Oh, the internal pie monologue is fantastic. Like, super fantastic. And and the way they stage it. God, people who choreograph and stage theater Mm -hmm. are geniuses. Oh, yeah. Like, to be able to do as much as they did with so little, it just astounds me. And I do, I appreciate that talent so much. And it reminds me, um, one of my favorite Southern writers is uh, Jocelyn Jackson. Mm-hmm. And she was a theater, like, person. She was an actress, or she might have even directed a little, I'm not sure. But when she writes her books, she blocks each scene. So, like, she'll write the same scene from different characters' perspectives and then oh. one of those perspectives ends up in the book. But when you read it, you can just visualize everything. And it's just this amazing experience reading her work. And I heard her talk about her writing process one time. And she was explaining how her background in theater led her to, you know, become a stronger writer. Um, and just like the different areas of storytelling from theater that she pulls from for her books. And I just remember thinking, I think theater experience makes you magic. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I get that. Well, I'm sorry you didn't like the movie so much, but I'm really glad you got to see the musical. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Um, And and I certainly don't want to yuck your yum, so I'm going to save. No, not at all. I just... (laughs) No, no, it's fine. I'm going to save my opinions until we get to the section where we vent about things. Okay. That's all. That's okay. Um, and I know the movie is flawed. Like, I'm <laughs> well aware. I just feel bad when we were laying out the schedule for season two of Southern Fried Pop Culture. And I'm like, waitress first, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, so. that's absolutely fine. I think it's wonderful that you love this movie. It's it's great. And everybody who responded to us when we were talking about it on Twitter loves it, too. Yeah. I think I think I'm, I'm just... Life has tainted me for this kind of movie now, and I just can't enjoy it anymore. Yeah, that's where I, can I am. See that. I can so I can totally see that. So, well, let's start with um, our Southern culture experience. So, was there anything in the movie that stood out as authentically Southern from your perspective? Uh, there was only one thing for me, um, okay. because this this was a movie that largely I can't relate to. It, there are experiences that I've never had, and lives that I've never really been involved with or even like tangentially it's it's all very f- highly fictional to me mm-hmm. but Joe 
Yeah. Oh my God. Joe is every old Southern man I've ever met in my entire life. <laughs> like, Adrian Shelley nailed it when she wrote it, and Andy Griffith just knocked it out of the park. Oh, I yeah. mean, that was my granddaddy. That was my papa. That's my granny's current husband. That was like every old Southern man I've ever met in my entire life, all rolled up into one character, and it was amazing. And I want somebody to talk about me the way that he talks about exotic strawberry chocolate pie. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Oasis strawberry (laughs) chocolate pie. Yes. Absolutely. When he was talking about that that pie, I was like, I want somebody to love me like that. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Wow. (laughs) He was so great. He was was. so great. And I I thought it was funny him reading his horoscope. um, But I felt very special because I'm also an Aquarius. (laughs) <laughs> but I kept wondering if Jenna really was or if she just told him that to shut him up. And <laughs> That was my impression that she yeah. was just like, I'm an Aquarius <laughs> too. Now I have to go throw up. I'm like, I don't I don't think that <laughs> I was just curious, like, okay, well what is her sign really? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Joe was Joe was great. Yeah, so I I guess I'm kind of combining my tickled pink and southern experience here. Well sometimes yeah. your southern experience does tickle you pink. Absolutely. So what about you? I, I have a feeling that you probably have more Southern experience here. I think you've been a waitress before, and so that's probably... Yes, I was a waitress. Um, apologies to anyone I ever waited on, because oh. I was probably the worst waitress in the history of waitressing. I was awful at it. I mean, awful. So I think I probably got more Bless Your Hearts. When I was trying oh, to be a waitress. So, and it's funny, um, kind of a tradition I've raised my son with too, is we are always polite to anyone who waits on us. And we always tip well, um, even if that person's having a bad day, mm-hmm. because I know how hard that job is. And I know how much I sucked at it. So <laughs> just like, and I will not go out to dinner with someone who does not tip well. And I will not date someone who does not tip well. It's like an absolute deal breaker for me. Good. Define your terms. That's right. <laughs> I guess that's part of your you must be this tall list. That's right. It is. Okay. Um, but the the place where I worked was like a big um, steakhouse and it was a chain. Mm-hmm. So it was not like a hometown diner. It didn't okay. have that feel. And like we weren't all close friends and it, it was nothing like this experience at all. But I think her kind of experience would have been a lot more fun than how it was for me. But I do admire people who are good at that job because I sure as hell was not. But a couple of things that stood out to me were just like advice that I wish other Southern women had given me when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Like if a man pulls up in the driveway and honks the horn, run, don't walk, run in the other direction because that man is bad news. (laughs) And any man that ever says, you don't look happy to see me, is trouble. Yes. So, like, we need a guidebook, and those need to be listed as signs. And I guess yes. those were two of the things that struck me as authentic from the movie. But one of the negative kind of Southern culture things was, like, having a man who is horrible to his wife, and everyone knows it. Every Like, it's just, like, public knowledge, even to the point that some people joke about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I was raised. Like, that was my family dynamic. And to see people be completely okay with it, never interfering with it, just, you know, that's just how he is and 
everybody accepts it and makes jokes about it to the wife when he's not in the room. Um, that felt so normal to me that I think it's one of the reasons that the movie feels like home, but not in a good way. Right. You know, because that kind of ugliness should not be normal, but it was normal. Right. So it kind of felt like a dark story wrapped in a whole bunch of snark, which yeah. is probably why I appreciate it so much. <laughs> okay. I can totally see that. Yeah. But it, it, it's also incredibly misogynistic and abusive. And so it feels like a movie I should not like mm-hmm. on principle, but I still love it. Even though there's a couple scenes I can't handle, I still love the movie. Love what you love, honey. <laughs> and the last thing it made me think of, and I wanted to ask you this in terms of Southern culture. One of the things I'm noticing is that I completely fall in love with movies that have romantic scenes in kitchens. Mm-hmm. But I don't cook. And the kitchen was not a happy place when I was growing up. Though kitchens in some of our family members' homes were. But it makes me feel nostalgic anyway. Like, that's where love is supposed to live in a house. So I don't know if that's a southern thing or just something that appeals to me in general. So I was wondering if you had any take on that. I agree with you. And that is how life is at my grandma's house like Mm -hmm. the kitchen table the kitchen and kitchen table are the heart of her house um, and always have been but I don't know if that's a generational thing or if it's a southern thing so I feel like from experience that's something that I want Mm -hmm. and so I feel nostalgic about it too but I also feel like that is something that gets highly romanticized in media Mm -hmm. not just in southern culture and media i think it's just kind of a general thing you know it's especially in romance it's sexy for a man to cook and so for a man and woman to cook together and be in the kitchen together that's Hmm. something that we want to see i can't tell you how many times i have thought that it would be just so amazing and so sexy if i ended up with a man who wanted to cook in the kitchen with me Mm -hmm. because from watching tv and movies it seems like that's just like the most intimate amazing thing possible Right. But the reality is, I don't want that man in my way while I'm trying to get shit done in the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) There's my southern girl. (laughs) I mean, honestly, my kitchen is not big enough for that. Like, you know where I want him? I want him sitting at the bar talking to me while I'm doing my work in the kitchen. I don't want him in the kitchen with me. There you go. The scene, this is going to be in my tickled pink section, but the scene in Waitress where uh, Jenna and Dr. Palmiter end up cooking the pie together, Mm -hmm. like watching it like makes my heart melt. I'm like, oh, they look so happy and so in love. And I just, I want to feel like that. But in reality, it's going to be hot in there because the oven's on. You're going to (laughs) be messy and sticky from the sugar and the chocolate and the fruit. There's nothing sexy about that. I'm Sorry. I love this conversation so much. (laughs) Well, I wonder then if it's the non-musical equivalent of a couple dancing together in a musical. Like a couple Mm. cooking in the kitchen is to a non-musical what them dancing together is in a musical. Okay. Maybe. Because it is something that you can visually watch them doing together. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of things in life that are interesting, that are active that couples do together in that that can be shown on a movie like joseph and i play minecraft together that's not sexy or interesting or engaging to anybody who's watching our love story you know so maybe maybe you're right that's exactly what it is that's interesting 
Okay. Well, I was just curious. I appreciate your perspective on that. <laughs> Next time I'm going to be like, hey, uh-uh, y'all might make that look pretty, but I know it is hot and crowded because Mandy Kay has shown me the light. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Even at my grandma's house, like my grandma's the one cooking. Everybody else is sitting at the dining room table and mm-hmm. that's just, you know, like, don't crowd her. Let her do her thing. Yeah. And we will clean up when it's done. No, I like that. I have such limited experience in this area, though. Um, The last guy I was dating, I did cook for him one night, which was very strange and very outside of my normal temperament. But he asked very sweetly. So I made scrambled eggs and grits. But he did stay out of my way. Uh Uh-huh. And then he did all the dishes. So that was good. But yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to give it some more thought. But I think this is fun and fascinating. But we have lots of stuff in this movie that was not so fun. So you want to start blessing hearts? <sighs> okay. So here's the thing. Like you said, you feel like this is a movie that you should not like because, I mean, you listed it off. It's misogynistic. It's it's, it's awful. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, I don't know what it is about what's happened to me in the last couple of years that has made my perspective change so much. Because when I first saw this, it was when I didn't even recognize how awful this movie was. Yes, I recognized how awful Earl was, mm-hmm. but that's it. You know, I mean, Cal's irritating too, but he still gets, you know, to make Becky happy. So that's fine, whatever. You know, this time around, though, I'm watching this movie and all I can think is there's not a single good man in this movie at all. Yeah. Jenna's entire life is defined by a man. All of it, even her happy ending, is defined by a man. She has no agency at all in this movie. She does make the choice to leave Earl once she sees Lulu, which I think is wonderful. That's my favorite part in the whole movie. Mm -hmm. But she doesn't decide to leave and end things with Dr. Pometer until after she knows she got the money from Joe. That's when she decides to leave him. Now, I may be reading into that. But that's what happened. No, you're right. And I didn't make that connection. She doesn't she doesn't know that she's free, that she has the ability to go be on her own without somebody taking care of her. I mean, yeah, she'd already told Dr. Pometer that she didn't want him to save her. But I mean, then they went and had sexy pie making in the kitchen. So, yeah, actions speak louder than words. You know, and, and so, yeah, so then she ended it with Dr. Pometer, but then her happy ending, the only reason she got it was because another man gave her money. Like, she didn't choose to do anything on her own in this movie. And that's that's something that I didn't see the first time I watched it. I don't even think I saw that when we watched the musical because it was a musical and music makes me happy. Right. But the whole time I was watching this, I was just like, I am ruined for these kinds of movies. Like, society wants me to think this is cute. Society wants me to think that Dawn and Ogie were adorable. Oh, no. No. And Ogie is, like, the epitome of, like, little troll boys on the internet who keep pestering you until you send them boob pictures. Mm-hmm. And the first time I saw this movie, I thought it was cute. He was persistent, you know, and persistence <laughs> pays off, you know. I mean, he's not really being gross. He just doesn't take no for an answer. Uh, I just, I can't, I can't even with this movie anymore. 
even Joe was telling her what to do. You know, he's, he's yelling at her. I mean, yeah, he's kind and he's nice and he's sweet. He's a sweet old man, but he's still telling her what to do. Mm-hmm. Dr. Palmer told her what to do. You know, she's sitting there fighting the affair, and he just flat out tells her, no, you're going to go make a doctor's appointment this Friday. You're going to go tell the nurse to fit you in, and you're going to come back here, and we're going to have an affair. Mm-hmm. Like, she made no choices in this movie. And so while I was watching it this time, I was just so frustrated and so annoyed that a movie that I used to think was cute and sweet has been tainted. But at the same time, I feel like it's great personal growth on my part that it is tainted. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. I'm just all sorts yeah. of conflicted. No, I think that's great. And and you're making a couple of connections there that I actually missed because I had written it off. And I think maybe I have over-romanticized this in my head because I have like my own headcanon about the ending of this. Okay. That her splitting up with Jim or Dr. Prometer at the same time that she split up with Earl was kind of the same trigger. Like I didn't connect the check to that. And I, I never thought that the check from Joe was enough to buy the pie shop. Like it got her started, but then she went and won that pie contest, which had been her plan all along. Mm-hmm. And so I always thought, okay, well she had a goal. She stuck to the goal. She made it happen. And then she pulled those two sources of money together and bought the shop. So, like, he helped her, but then she still came and did that on her own. Mm -hmm. But you're right. Like, as far as her not making active choices all the way through. But I also think there was something about Dr. Palmer's wife being present while she was in labor that kind of took the shine off that. (laughs) Just a wee bit. (laughs) Because... You know, <laughs> like, it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hi. <laughs> so happy to meet you under these circumstances. Right. Um, <laughs> so I think that, like, I don't know. I, I saw that ending a little bit. The rest of it, I'm completely with you. And I never liked Ogie. Like, never, ever. He always annoyed the absolute crap out of me. But, yeah, the rest of it, I just, like I said, I have to keep thinking about it because, do I love this so much from a sense of nostalgia that is really messed up, which could completely be the case, (laughs) you know? So it's just good for me to question why I like it because it bothers me so much the way that the movie is marketed and described because this is not a, Ooh, I almost said a really bad word on Southern fried pop culture. Oh, please. Like we've never cussed on this show before. Oh, I know, but I was, it was going to push us into explicit space. Um, but this is not a comedy because domestic abuse is not funny. No. And I don't care how snarky the dialogue is. It's not a comedy. So it really bothers me that they describe the movie that way, you know, and that even the, the tagline is like that. I honestly, watching it now, I have a really hard time trying to figure out what Adrian Shelley was trying to say with this movie. Mm-hmm. Because it feels like she was making a feminist statement. She was trying to make a feminist statement. Mm-hmm. But I guess the world of 2018, or the lens of 2018, is so different from the lens of 2007 that it's gotten lost or it's just muddied somehow. Well, it, I think, so when I first saw this movie, it was like 2008, 2009, maybe a little later. It was right when the movie came to Netflix, but it was before I started my PhD program. So somewhere around in there. And a friend of mine and I were just flipping through 
Netflix trying to find a movie to watch. And so we watched it by accident. And I was kind of, you know, pissed off at all the men throughout and bothered <laughs> very much by Earl, but fell in love with the dialogue. There are some lines in this movie that I say all the time and I love. But then at the end, when we get this mother-child happy ending, mm-hmm. it spoke to me so much. I think just as a single mom. Okay. Um, because, like, that experience of someone putting this baby in your arms for the first time and then having that moment of, yeah, I don't care what any man in my life has ever done. No one is ever touching this kid because that's right. what it was like for me. And so I related to that. And I think that that's the love story that speaks to me the most. Oh, absolutely. You know, because um, even I was talking to Joseph about this before we came to record and I had mentioned that out of the whole movie, that scene is my favorite. Like that scene does sort of redeem the movie a little bit mm-hmm. because it's just, it's wonderful. And he did not agree with me at all. Oh. Interesting. Um, <laughs> because he, he, he said that he's a proponent of the idea that negativity in the womb is going to cause negativity in real life. Like once you're huh. born. And I started thinking about that, and I was like, I can understand why you would say that, but I don't really think that even though the baby wasn't wanted, like, I don't see the, her dear baby letters as being really all that negative. Oh, I don't either. And if I had written dear baby letters when I was pregnant, they would have been much worse than that. <laughs> um, th- what bothered me about it, though, was I don't like supporting the idea of... Well, if you don't want this baby or you're not happy about being pregnant, just wait. Because when it's born, you're going to love it. Because Mm. not all pregnancies are wanted and not all of them end up happy. And not all women end up feeling emotionally attached to a baby that they deliver. Right. So, like, and I think it's, it's harmful to women to propagate that as an idea, which they kind of do in this movie. So that bothers me a little bit because... I don't know that it was, I mean, it, you know, there's a hormone rush that happens when you have a baby and some people get more of it and some people get less of it. And I certainly got less of it in terms of postpartum depression and all of that kind of stuff. But I just liked the, that moment of fierce choosing between mother and child. Um, yeah. But I don't want it to ever come across that it always turns out that way or that if it doesn't turn out that way, that you should feel bad. Mm-hmm. As a mom, because this isn't how it rolls most of the time. Right. You right. Know? And my favorite scene is her with Lulu at the end. You know, because of course. Dancing in the kitchen. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. come on. Like, somebody wrote that for me. Um, <laughs> and Adrienne Shelley did have a young child when she wrote this movie. So I, I don't know how much of that crossed over, you know, or, or how much of that was relevant, but it, it hits me. Like, I have no patience for the men in this movie at all. I think that the the gentleness and the good sex between her and Jim is great, but I don't buy that as a love story. But the love story for me is Jenna and Lulu. Right. Okay. Do you have anything else that you need to bless its heart? Oh, no. I think I blessed enough <laughs> But I think you have some more. Well, I just have to talk about how much I hate Earl because... <laughs> Just Earl has Earl, died. Like Earl has 
to die. I wanted that Dixie Chick song in this movie so bad. Joseph asked me, he's like, did this inspire the Dixie Chick song? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that came first. But, but And of all the horrible things that he does, which is, you know, horrific through the whole movie, there was something about him saying, well, ask me how my day was. Ask me like you care about it. That I just wanted to rip his face off. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's, you know, basically giving her all of these orders, tell me exactly what you want to hear, and basically forget you're a person because you belong to me. Right. And, you know, that's on top of controlling her money and her means of getting around town and whether or not she's allowed to work and, you know, having her weight on him hand and foot and physically harming her. But just this absolute destruction of another person's spirit that is a level of abuse. If you haven't seen it and you haven't lived in it, I don't think you can know what it is. And it it was very authentically captured in this movie. Um, but that makes me sad that it was yeah. so authentically captured in this movie. Yeah. he. I mean, he even flat out said that she belonged to him. Yeah. And I just, I wanted to throw things at my TV. Oh, it was, it was awful. And, you know, the scenes where he gets violent with her are horrible. When he finds her at the bus stop with her suitcase, like, mm-hmm. I literally go cold. I have yeah. that flash of fear with that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and the sex scenes with him are horrendous. So I just, I hate seeing him on screen. And I have such a visceral reaction. I cannot watch that actor in anything else. Not even Clueless? Nope. He, it always, I went back and watched Clueless as an adult and I was like, oh my God, it's Earl. I mean, he's awful and Clueless too, but he's just like, he's the Roland with the homies, dude. I know, right? But I, it is like a completely horrible, like my whole body just says, hell no, whenever mm-hmm. I see him on screen. Because, I mean, he was that good at playing this role. Right, right. But absolutely. it completely ruined the actor for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's just um, a shame. The, the scary part about it, I think, is that so much of this movie was just so over the top mm-hmm. that I fear that people who have not experienced that level of abuse, either directly or just because they know somebody who has experienced it or they've seen it, will believe that it's as over the top as the rest of the movie is. And it's not. Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah, because it's not. Yeah, and it was bad. So, I mean, you know, other than wanting to set Earl on fire. Um, Ogie, just Ogie, no. First of all, no is a word you need to learn. And no, I do not want you in this movie. Like, Ogie needs to go back to Oklahoma. He was much better in the musical. Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, was was he, Cal he, in the musical? Yes. Okay. Yes, that's and good. Cal and, and Becky did end up doing their little affair, but it was, it was done differently. Okay. Um, I mean, it, it was an affair obviously cause they're both married, but it, and it just, it didn't feel as icky in okay. the musical. Nothing felt as icky in the musical except for Earl. Was it called out that Cal was married? Because I know Becky was, but her husband was like, Oh, he had some kind of massive trauma, right? Was he like an, like physically, incapacitated and she was taking care of him but i didn't know that cal was also married yeah they made it sound like um he was just really old and sick and couldn't take care of himself anymore um but cal was married in the movie cal's married to ethel okay and they end up showing ethel at dawn's 
wedding. Oh, okay. Um, because remember, Jenna says, you know, we're friends with Ethel and we shouldn't I be gotcha. okay. doing this to her. Yep. You know, she's nice to us. She tells him not to yell at us. Why are you doing this to her? Um, in the musical, I don't remember if they mentioned her or not. I would assume they did because they did call out Becky being married. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would make sense to call them both out for being married. I okay. just don't remember. Well, now um, I feel really bad for missing Ethel. She did not make enough an impression on me for me to. <laughs> well, she, I mean, she didn't have any lines. They just okay. showed her face uh, at Dawn's wedding. She was like on Cal's arm. Okay. Yeah, I totally missed that. But yeah, Ogie was definitely better in the musical. Not Still not great, because he was still overly persistent. Mm-hmm. But because they changed Dawn's character and gave her more lines and, and more stuff, then you got mm-hmm. to see a little more of their relationship. And so it ended up working for me okay. in a way that it didn't here. Because here, we have Dawn and Ogie. You know, Ogie shows up. Don says, I don't want to talk to you. I told you I wasn't interested. You need to go away. He says, I'm not going to take no for an answer. She says, I want you to die. He cries. Next time we see them, they're dating. Five minutes later, they're married. That's all we get in the movie. Right. Um, so it's fleshed out a little bit in the musical. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Ogie did get to add to one of my lists, though, because it's like things I never want to see at a wedding. Spontaneous wedding poetry. Spontaneous wedding poetry (laughs) is now on the list. And I I don't know if I would have thought of that without Ogie. But the look on that priest's face was (laughs) priceless. So. (laughs) Yeah. No, his poetry was better in the musical, too. It was funny. It was funnier. That's Like, better is the wrong word. (laughs) It was funnier. I mean, I am all for someone I love composing me a poem. Not so much reading it. Or writing it spontaneously in front of everyone I know. Yeah. (laughs) But that was pretty funny. And then, like, you know when you have this level of internal conflict that's so deep within you that you just don't know what to do? Because when Nathan Fillion is on my screen (laughs) in in any way, like, all of my heart just lights up and I can't help it. And it's, it's just always going to be that way. Yes. And so, like, I should not like Dr. Pomodoro. Dr. Pomodoro is an ass. I, like, he has serious issues. And yet, I can't help it. It is ridiculous. But I think the, the questionable ethics about being attracted to a patient is one thing. But being alone with her two hours before the office opens and then not examining her when she is pregnant and bleeding is not okay. So, like, that was a doctor line he crossed he cannot come back from. No, he did examine her. Uh-uh. No, he didn't. Remember, she came in, and, and she's like, so you're not going to examine me? And he said, no, you're fine. And she's like, oh. I, I got up early. I, I came, I walked five blocks. You're here two hours early. Why did you call me in here if you weren't going to examine me? Okay. And then he's like, yeah, I'm weird, basically. <laughs> but that was before. And then she leaves, like, she storms out, and then she comes back and kisses him. Yeah. But, yeah, he didn't actually examine her at all. And I'm like, okay, pause. Like, yeah, get get your groove on later, but let's make sure she's okay first. Like, that was that was not cool. Yeah, they so his character was written in such a way that on his own, apart from being Jenna's doctor or even knowing Jenna, just as a as a person, he's very sweet. He's very kind. Mm -hmm. He's a good guy. Mm -hmm. But then 
He cheats on his wife with his pregnant patient. Yeah. Like, what does he think is going to happen? Yeah. And yet, I'm sitting there grinning like an idiot the whole time that he's on my screen. (laughs) Well, yeah. No, I am too. Because honestly, it's like the man that we see with Jenna is not the kind of a man who would do those other things. And so it's easy to write that part of him off. Yeah, it is. And I think, like, there's there's a lot of affair in this movie. Right? So we much have at affair least in this movie. Lot, <laughs> there's kind of heavy on the affair. But I think that there's a reason for that. And I think it actually serves a purpose in the movie that's more than just people who can't keep their hands off each other. Because you have this sense of people being trapped, right? Dr. Pomodoro is there because his wife got a big residency, not because he wanted to move there. Jenna's there because she grew up there. She's stuck with Earl. You know, like, you have this sense of people being trapped in their lives. And Cal has this great line. It's like the one moment that he's not being a total asshole when Jenna asks him if he's happy. And he says, I'm happy enough. And I, that really stayed with me. Like, I have been thinking about that constantly. You know, what does it mean to be happy enough? What does it mean to settle for that? What does it mean to want more than that? And I think in this lifetime when things are bleak or, you know, hard or, or there's a lack of happiness, that sparking with someone, it, it's about more than an affair. It's about more than sex. It, it is this small space, temporary as it may be, for a kind of happiness that you don't get in other aspects of your life when your life is, is that hard or you're that unhappy. And we have that one moment, like when things got tense between Jenna and Jim, and she goes to the bus stop and then she starts smiling. And it's mm-hmm. like this huge smile spreads across her face. And the music that goes with that is just glorious. And then the girl cannot stop smiling. And I think that was the first time we had seen a real smile from her for the whole movie. Yes. You know, and and I don't think it's like that chemical power of falling in love so much as it is creating a space for happiness with someone else that you know is not going to last, but you're still both in it for a little while. Yeah. So I don't know. I could be totally wrong about that, but no, I don't think you are. She she had a line um, in one of her dear baby letters where she said, "I was addicted to saying things and have them matter to someone." Yeah. And that mattering to someone is enough to, to create a smile like that, whether it's romantic or not. Right. Just feeling like you have a place in the world finally. Right. And I think that's exactly what she's experiencing there. Yeah. And, and she never said that she was in love with Jim. Um, and when he gave her that beautiful pie plate, you know, and she said, why did you give this to me? And he said, because I'm falling head over heels. And before he could say in love with you, she stopped him and kissed him. Mm-hmm. Um, but when she wrote the Dear Baby letter about him, which had one of my favorite lines that was, I hope someone just wants to hold you for 20 minutes straight. Such a great line. But she said she called him her best friend. She was like, I've yes. never had a best friend before. And it felt more like that kind of space to me than it did something overly romantic, even though, you know, the sex was obviously the, the driver there. But I, I kind of liked how they played that out. It's it's a different look on an affair. And I think it serves a purpose in the movie. And it's not just about people being weak or people being sneaky. I think it serves as 
kind of a light in a very bleak existence. Yeah. I think that's part of why I'm so conflicted about this movie. I can rant about it for days. I've already ranted about it and how I hate all of the men in it and not really understanding the message. But at the end of the day, it has it it is rooted in reality. Mm-hmm. With as over the top and silly as it is. I mean, just listen to Cheryl Hans talk and you'll understand <laughs> how over the top this movie is. The experiences that Jenna goes through, the emotions that Jenna goes through are are all very accurate yeah. and real for someone who is in those kinds of experiences. And I think that's why I have a hard time just flat out saying, I don't like this movie. Mm-hmm. Because I would watch it again. And I would yeah. yell through the whole thing. Me too. But I would watch it again. Me too. Me too. I remember when I first watched it thinking, that is one of the most realistic movies I have ever seen. All of the over top, you know, over the top dialogue and all that aside. I was like, right. yep, that's real. That's real. <laughs> and it, down to, like, one of the parts that I hated when Earl crashed the wedding, oh. like, came in and throws the chair and threatens Jenna and screams at her in front of everybody. You know, you've got 30 seconds to get your ass out of this car. And everyone there is fine with it. Just lets her no, go. Yeah, nobody tries to intervene. Nobody even confronts him about uh, crashing a wedding, uh, throwing furniture, and threatening his pregnant wife. Um, and that was also very real to me because like growing up, I saw people react like that to my parents and their message to my mother was always like, well, this sucks, but you're stuck and you're a good woman for making the best of it. Yeah. And it, I think it's too real in a lot of situations and nobody stood up to Earl until Joe at the very, very end. And really all he did was kind of chastise him a little, although I was at least glad to see Joe say something to him. But no one else ever calls him out on his bullshit. And there are no consequences for Earl at all. I mean, he got his pride hurt. Oh, poor baby. I forgot (laughs) about that. The fragile male ego took a beating. Right. I guess that that does it. (laughs) Also, I have to say, Earl laughed at Jenna when she was in labor. And there is a special corner of hell reserved for that shit. Yeah. So was there anything about the movie that tickled you pink besides Joe? Um, yeah, there were a few lines that I really liked. Um, when she said, I don't want you to save me. I don't want to be saved. Mm -hmm. Like, I guess that's a small moment of Jenna taking agency Mm -hmm. because she's choosing to feel the way that she feels in that moment. Yeah, I think that's about it. The opening (laughs) sequence, the opening sequence is beautiful. Oh, yeah. And watching all the pie ingredients is very soothing. Mm Mm-hmm. Jenna thinking in pie is also pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. That's that that's all I got. <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> I love that our roles are reversed. This movie. <laughs> yeah. They super are. Usually you're the one with the pages of rants. <laughs> it's ridiculous. This movie has me under a spell or something. No, that's perfectly fine. <laughs> so tell me, tell me what you like about this movie. Okay, well, I'm with you in the the opening of this movie, maybe one of my favorite movie openings of all time, um, because the music and the pouring and the peaches and the pies and it's so peaceful, you know. And I think pie makers are sorcerers. I just love it. 
And some of the dialogue is so great. You know, Genesis, I should never drink. I do stupid things when I drink, like sleep with my husband. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I love that line. And um, when she's, you know, mad about the pregnancy test, and she's like, two lines, the bad line. And I was like, yes, that is an honest reaction to pregnancy, Mm -hmm. but it's not what you want. Yep. Um, And I like that she's unapologetic for that. You know, she tells Dr. Pomodoro, like, we are not celebrating this. Do not say congratulations. Like, I'm having this baby, but I'm not happy about it. Right. And and I like that, that she she draws boundaries around herself with everyone except Earl, um, which I think was cool. But I love watching her invent new pies in her head, um, especially bad baby pie. But to me, like, I wish that that was the way meditation would work. And I wish that I could do that the way she does. Right. And... The woman brought a pie to her OBGYN, and it was like a mermaid pie. Yep. And I just kind of fell in love with her at that moment. And I love Joe. Joe was great. I would bring him juice without any ice, let him read my horoscope too. (laughs) And I like when uh, Dawn said to Jenna, you are the queen of kindness and goodness. (laughs) It's a great title. I like it. That is a great title. And one of my favorite scenes was when Jenna makes the falling in love pie and the music when that plays. Oh my God, it's such a great song. Mm -hmm. And the whole scene is so lovely. And I'm amazed at her ability to just fall into that kind of tranquility, even with everything that's going on in her life. And Mm -hmm. I liked her motivation and goal for winning the pie contest. I thought that was fantastic. I am a shallow woman, so when Becky told Dawn, have fun on your five-minute date, use a five-minute condom, like, <laughs> that delights me to no end. Yes. <laughs> I really liked when Joe said, I love living vicariously through the pain and suffering of others. Oh, and yeah, that's Jenna a great line. Like, I do not for one minute believe you are as mean as you think you are because you tip me better than anybody. <laughs> yes, that was a fantastic exchange. Yeah, it was great. And it's wonderful and terrible at the same time because I love the scene, um, but I'm terrified when I'm watching it that Earl's going to come home and kill them all. But Oh, when, my anxiety level was oh, so high. Like through the roof. But when Jim comes to Jenna's house, like visually, musically, seeing Jenna look peaceful and happy in her house for the first time, you know, and that just that lovely moment between them in the kitchen you know with his arms around her while she's working which i now understand would probably be annoying as hell but it looks beautiful on screen and the song that's playing and the mortar and the puzzle and the blackberries and the kissing and i'm like oh my god i just love this this is better yeah. for me than a sex scene like it's just fantastic yes and it reminded me have you read the undomestic goddess by sophie kinsella i don't think so it's a great book. It's funny. It's really, really, really sweet. Um, and I adore it. But there's a scene in there where the couple make bread together. Okay. That is kind of like on this level. It gets better than a sex scene. It's fantastic. And it reminded me a lot of the scene from Waitress. Yeah. I think intimacy is always better than sex scenes. Because yeah. intimacy is something you can feel, like, yeah. emotionally. Mm-hmm. And, like, I mean, yeah, sex scenes are hot, but they don't, like get you in your gut yeah like yeah. intimacy does and the two of them in that kitchen they got me um and when he gives her that pie plate i swooned i can't help it like i just <laughs> can't help it i love okay. it um <laughs> and i like joe 
telling Jenna, you know, you don't even know who you are. Like, make the right choice, start fresh, and ain't ever too late. Because he's trying to dream for her. Mm-hmm. And I guess I saw it less of him bossing her around as him wanting more for her. You know, but I may have been over-romanticizing that, too. No, I think some of it, he did want more for her. He was a kind man. Yeah. But he's also a product of his environment. Right. You know, I mean, he was completely fine, like, bossing her around. Like, you didn't bring me my salt and pepper. (laughs) Go do this and go do that. And this is wrong. You know, and like, he yelled at her for stupid stuff. Yeah. Put it on its own plate. (laughs) Um. I mean, he was a crotchety old man. Oh, yeah, he was. But I think he loved her. I do. I think he loved Jenna, and he did want what was best for her. Um, I just wish that Jenna could have found her own agency without somebody else pushing her into it. Yeah, I I agree with you on that. Um, And I did like, though, she did advocate for herself in some ways, like Mm -hmm. telling all of those extra doctors to get out of her room and when she went into labor, she's like, I want the maximum legal limit of drugs. And I was yep. like, that is a woman after my own heart. <laughs> and when she has Lulu and she holds her, she says, we're going to have so much fun, little girl. It makes me cry every time. It's just ridiculous. But I love that moment. It's beautiful. Yeah. And when she opens the card from Joe, you know, and it has a huge check, but it also has a sketch that he made of her. Mm-hmm. And I love the sketch even more than I love the money. Yes. I just thought it was really sweet. But singing the pie song with Lulu and dancing in the kitchen, it's just always going to melt my heart. And I really liked the bright colors that we see at the end. And I wish we had more of this because I missed it the first time I watched it. But when she takes over the pie shop and renames it Lulu's, the whole interior is different. Everything is brightly colored. There's patterns all over the place. And we get, you know, bright green and deep pink. And even the pies are different colors. Mm-hmm. And all the uniforms are bright colors. And, and, like, I think that there was a lot of that that, you know, Jenna brought to the place. And I just wish we had more of that visual at the end because it was beautiful. Yeah. And the last thing that just tickled me pink to no end was um, some of the lyrics from the pie song. That you don't get until the credits, because she doesn't sing it. But when she said, baby, here's the sun, baby, here's the sky, baby, I'm your light, and I'm your shelter. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Like, that's one of the most, I can't even, I'm starting to cry, like, right now, just from saying the words. Like, I think it is absolutely lovely. So, it makes me end on happy, gushy tears every damn time I watch it. Good. (laughs) That's wonderful. I'm not used to being the sweethearted one in this duo mandy it's a wonderful change (laughs) people are getting to get to see the gushy side of you finally that's not about angel or faith right i know i was listening to still dead today so (laughs) (laughs) and it was the the faith episode so yeah i got lots of faith gushing today i will always gush about faith (laughs) (laughs) so did you have any other thoughts about this movie that don't fit in our buckets I think there was one thing that I wanted to mention that I that I didn't before, and it's just, it's a sad little thing. Um, at the beginning, when Jenna does the makeup for Dawn before mm-hmm. she goes on her five-minute date, mm-hmm. she looks in the mirror and she says, you made me almost pretty. Oh, yeah. And it makes me so sad to hear her mm-hmm. say that, but at the same time, I completely understand it because I do that to myself all the time. I think I've said those words out loud before. And it 
God, it breaks my heart to, yeah. to think that that we do that to ourselves mm-hmm. and to see it shown so realistic. God, it, it is beyond me how a movie can be so over the top fictional and like fantastical, but be so real at the same time. Yeah. Like how Adrian Shelley was able to pull those two things together and do it is beyond me. But I wonder if the real the realness of this movie wouldn't have worked without that big over the top funny stuff to kind of balance it out. I think so. I think if it was only the real, it would have been too bleak to yeah. watch. It just you would just have to open a vein and cry in front of the TV screen the whole time. But that that's what always gets me is it's so real. I mean, it is so real, but it adds just enough like awe and wonder and romance and beauty on top of it that you're kind of hiding medicine in a pipe like (laughs) right it works for me it works for me the other thing that it it really made me think of was jenna because she's so different around everybody who's not earl you know she yes i mean she's very patient she's very giving you know but she does have her her very clear lines and boundaries and so i started thinking about her as like an example of someone who's gone through abuse and then goes through explosive integration right so when you're living in an abusive situation sometimes you can feel like there's like you're two people or there's two parts of you there's like one of you that exists in the abusive space and then there's who you are when you're when you get to breathe a little Right. And then, bam, like something happens, those two pieces slam together, and you have this explosive integration thing, and it's not a whole lot of fun. Um, But to me, like, I saw that happen with her. We very clearly see her be two different people. Yes. You know, there's the woman that knows Earl would kill her and Jim and still enjoys this time with Jim in her house. Like, very clearly two different minds there. And then we have this slamming together when Lulu's born. And and there's a, the scene is shot so well when they put the baby in her arms, standing at her feet, Earl and Jim are both standing there together, right? Mm-hmm. And they both kind of fade out. And so I yes. think you have this, she's like, okay, I have, you know, horrible abuse from one of you and I have like great sex and fun with the other and I don't give a shit about either one of you anymore. <laughs> I have this baby now and y'all can both go away. And I loved that. I just thought it was fantastic. Yeah, it was a great visual because you got to see just the world around her and Lulu faded away. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful. Yeah. And then Lulu's little costume. At the end, (laughs) she's got her teeny tiny little bitty waitress dress and it's so pretty. (laughs) I just, I loved it. (laughs) Well, I'm glad. So now that you got me all gushy, what are we watching next, Mandy? We are going to watch Walk the Line next, the biopic about Johnny Cash. Oh, I'm so excited. Go into oh, yeah? the ring of fire. I've never seen it. Oh, my gosh. It's so good. Let me tell you. I don't know if you know this, but Joaquin Phoenix and Reese Witherspoon did all of their own singing. Oh, that makes it even better. It's fantastic. Oh, well, I love Johnny Cash, so I cannot wait to watch this. Um, okay, good. That is, it's that good. is awesome. Great. I, I used to own it. I wonder if I still do. Oh. I'm going to have to go check my DVD collection. Uh-huh. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah, Johnny Cash is, his music hugely influenced everything that I listened to growing up. And um, and I wanted to see it when it came out, but I never got to see it. And then I never went back and watched it. So I'm excited oh. to watch it for Southern Fried Pop Culture. 
Yay! I'm so glad. All right. Well, we want to hear from you. If you want to join the conversation on Twitter, you can use the hashtag SFPOP. So tell us about your experiences growing up in the South or what you thought about Waitress. You can find me on Twitter at Mandy Kay, or you can email us at podcast at eloquentgushing.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Kelly Jones or on the Still Dead podcast with Lonnie Dinerich. And Southern Fried Pop Culture is funded by supporters like you through our Patreon page. For exclusive content, including a bonus episode that Kelly and I did about Grey's Anatomy, please visit us at patreon.com slash eloquentgushing. Thanks to Jazzy Bentley for our awesome show music. And thanks, y'all. You want to hear just what I think, but I don't want ground to go big. I've got a lot to say about today's modern art. There's stories and there's counterpoints, and I have got my unique voice. I'm a professor who says, bless your Southern Fried Pop Culture is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, please visit eloquentgushing.com or visit us on Twitter at Eloquent Gushing.